Hi, I'm Gianfranco Zola and you're listening from the Rookery End. From the Rookery End is back for the September 2012 podcast. As ever, we are three Watford fans. My name is John. Uh, with me is Mike. Hi. And Jason. Hello. Uh, we are lifelong Watford fans, seasick holders in the Rookery End, and these podcasts are our take on life as a Watford fan. And I think out of the three years we've been doing these podcasts, it is one of the weirdest situations in terms of how I feel I think I've ever been in. How are you feeling, Michael, after being... After the, actually, this is the first time we've done a podcast where the, the games in between each one have been defeats. We have had four defeats, Michael. I know, it's brilliant. I'm, isn't I'm it? worried, Jason, about how Mike's going to react to Mr. Pessimism. How, I'm, how, I'm, how absolutely, I'm absolutely in my element. I couldn't be happier. <laughs> 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 it can only get better. I mean, it's, it's hard, isn't it? It's tough. But walking here today ahead of the Bristol City game, the sun's shining, people are happy. There's only going to be one result today. Another defeat. <laughs> I mean, I'm feeling all right about it. I mean, it's really, really hard, isn't it? There's two things to look at. There's, in, there's the performances in the, in the games, yeah. which admittedly haven't been great, been getting better. Yeah. Um, that's also the overall project. We're in, you know, we're in uncharted territory as Watford supporters. The club has changed inordinately over the last six months. So I think people are perhaps a little bit more relaxed than they might ordinarily be mm, on the back, of, on the back of four results. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's a, a few people who are getting a bit, a bit itchy, a bit antsy, which is kind of understandable. If you've been to Derby and seen us lose five-one, you've got every right to be, to be annoyed. But um, so, Jason, you I, went to yeah, Derby, went and lost Derby and lost to five-one. Before, yeah, before we talk about Derby, um, you notice we'd uh, only been talking for about a minute there, and the word project has come up already. Oh. And, and <laughs> okay, I know some people are not comfortable with that, but it's where we are at the moment, isn't it? It is a project. Yeah. We need to give it time, which uh, I, I certainly am, and see how it pans out. So Zola's slowly integrating these players into the side, and the football looks quite good, doesn't it? Yeah. Just the other, sorry to interrupt, Jace, but I mean, you said you're going to give it time. John, I'm sure you'll give it time because no you're, you're optimistic, and I'll give it time as well. The fact of the matter is, we've got to give it time because what else are we going to do? You know, the club was on its arse. It has to be, but the point has to be made. So, and they came in and rescued it. It might not be ideal. It's not everybody's cup of tea. I understand that, and I, and the people will push back, even if we'd won the last four games. Blackburn lost last night. They're still top, and they get the whole game. People still trying to keen out. You know, football fans are entitled to their opinion, and we even might. If they're not right. All you the time. might think <laughs> I'm wrong. Jace might think I'm wrong, and you know, and that. But that's what makes it beautiful. And in fact, I think that's what we always try and say. That's why I always start these podcasts by saying these are our take on life as a Watford fan. We're never saying that we are the how we're not trying to stand up for Watford fans and this is how we feel. This is how we feel as three Watford fans. It would be boring if everyone thought the same and probably no one would listen to these podcasts because they'd all know what we're going to say. <laughs> yes, exactly. Jason, those four games, like you say, there was good stuff, but they were four defeats. They were. Um, Bradford was a bit of a. Well, it was it was a League Cup game, wasn't it? it well, I remember. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what what the project's about. Um, you'd have had probably the same thing last year it would have been a change team uh, another yeah. defeat to a lower league opposition it seems to be quite common a sort of struggle against uh, 
lower league sides in the League Cup. I, I didn't expect any more. We looked quite comfortable, didn't uh, we, yeah, for most yeah, of the yeah. game. And then a lack of concentration yeah. in the last five minutes, and all of a sudden we're 2-1 down and out the cup. You went to Derby away. I did. How was that? Uh, I had a very nice time, met up with a, an old mate, had a few beers. Oh, and it was a game of football as well, wasn't it? Sorry. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I made this comment before. It's probably the most inept Watford performance I think I'd seen since we got spanked at home by Millwall. Was it Neil Harris's return? Yeah, no, first game back from cancer. Uh, it, it was poor. And in some ways, it's good to have been there, Jace. It's sort of quite a historic occasion. What was the worst <laughs> ever performance, and you were there. Yeah, my yeah, brother was there it, as well. He was in the. Uh, he was actually in the derby, and there's a guest of uh, a guest of the, one of the ex derby players. He parked in the players' car park. He was there that early. He parked in the players' car park, but he uh, he really struggled to hold it together. He he, he was with you, Jace. He said it was absolutely dire. The next way game, there was it, it was a loss, but there was a, there was a. a well, I think before we move on, it's key to put, key, important to point out the, what the issue was: defending set. Pieces. Absolutely, and the massive change—the fact so that Martin obvious. Taylor, who we'll be interviewing later on the podcast in his final ever Watford interview, um, another bit of history, before. right there, yeah. Yeah. from the rugby. <laughs> but he, 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 the fact that that guy, he he went the day before in a, a very infant side in its infancy development. That sort of change with that sort of player can throw you off for a period of time in a game where it, you, you, you know you just. Fall to pieces. Agreed, but you can't explain away five-one. You know, and no. and you know basics. You know, Jason probably played more football than than you or I recently. And you, and, you know, you do the you do the basics, and then the rest of you, you take care of itself. And we 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 evidently weren't doing that against Derby. Uh, absolutely, it was it was shocking. It was a set piece, and yeah, defending in general just didn't look good. Bolton and away. you can it affected the rest of the team. Um, Bolt, Bolton away. I have a confession. Go on. Whilst our boys were slugging it out at, at, at the Reebok Stadium. I was in the uh, relative comfort of an executive box at the Arsenal watching them absolutely destroy Southampton and it was a pleasure to watch. So you saw in two games 13 goals. I did. I did. Right. Get your money on nil-nil for today. <laughs> well, no, that, that boat's already sailed, isn't it, I think, yeah, on Tuesday? But. As far as, you know, you know the reports and my, my listening on the radio is that you get the idea that the first half wasn't any better um, but the second half was remarkably better and uh, felt amazing at uh, the end of the day because Lloyd Doyley scored his second goal for one. He did. That, that was a very strange feeling, wasn't it? I mean, the, yeah, like you say, the first half didn't sound very good and the two goals were set pieces again. And, and very was, early in the game as well. And, yeah. and, and Zola had talked about set pieces after the Derby game. He quickly pointed out the fact that we had a problem there that we need to be dealt with and we go to the next game and it looks like it hasn't been dealt with. Um, so that, obviously for us fans, is very, very frustrating. Second half, it sounded a lot better. Um, and of course that that goal from Lloyd um, fantastic what a strike I had, I had a lot of I, I have and a lot of friends perk. I like the fact you called it a strike yeah who's these people saying it was meant to be well, a strike well I, I, what do they know about football I am one of those I have to say because oh, I've what? got I've got <laughs> I have friends who are who support QPR for some bizarre reason um who were delighted and overjoyed that Lloyd has finally got his second goal. I did have to point out to them that QPR remain the only team where Lloyd has actually tried to score and <laughs> succeeded. But um, that, that, good, that, yeah. good, that good second half performance against Bolton carried over to the beginning start of the Brighton game. Yeah, that was, a, that was very exciting to watch that first half. It was, it was, a, it was a great start. If for a uh, slightly more fortunate deflection, we could have been 1-0 up very early on. Yeah. 
Um, and we played some nice football, but just lacked that cutting edge still up front. We didn't really test Kushek to me when we were on top. I think we did that bit on top, and then when they did go in the lead, they just stuck a load more boys behind the, around the ball, and that meant that we weren't sort of playing football in quite the right way. So what I wanted to say, you might have heard me try and interrupt Jason, cut crudely <laughs> down in my prime. quite right to do so, of course, because I remember speaking after that Bradford game, John saying, oh, I'm not really that upset, mm. because it's only the League Cup, you know, onwards and upwards, we've got more important things to worry about, and I think what I said being the font of all knowledge, <laughs> was that, you know, th- this is bad news because we've got to start again now. We've got to, we've got to get ourselves back in the saddle and, and, and get going again and get a, get a win under our belt. And, uh, you know, look what happened. We've gone on a, on a, on a bad run. I had to end on a negative <laughs> note. You know me. But that was, I, mean, I, I don't know what you feel, but that, to me, that's a different team anyway. Yeah, but I think it's, it's all about the, the feeling around the squad, isn't it? The feeling around the place. Uh, it, it talks about the... the talked about in the podcast a little project I'm doing with the 82-83 season mm. talked to a lot of the players and staff who are involved and to a man if they were involved at the start or not if they were injured or not they said they all felt part of it from the shop owner shop, the guy who ran the shop to the, to the lady who ran the family terrace to the chief executive to the players to the managers they all felt part of it and fed off the success and could all do their whatever they were doing whether it was trying to get fit running the shop selling tickets they did it better because the team was successful and the phrase that's come up more often than not is riding the crest of a wave and it's so important to get that feeling engender that feeling within the club well let's hope the wave begins this afternoon at our game against Bristol City still to come on from the recruit the final interview that Martin Taylor had whilst he was known as a Watford player. The return of Watford in 100 objects, where we hunt out 100 objects that define Watford Football Club. It's a bit of an 80 special, and, well, we've got a man... The word legend gets overused, but not with this one. We hear from Watford legend, John Barnes. Johnny Barnes, amazing. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans. From the rookery end. As a child, I had an older sister. I never still had a, I never, I still, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, but I've never had. Uh, we were we weren't overly competitive. Now, Jason, you had a brother, younger brother. Were you competitive with him? Not really, because he's, he's he's it's quite. Were well, you just better than him? I was better than him, <laughs> yeah. and obviously I'm the oldest of four, so I, clearly I am the better yes. of lot. Mike, you've got a younger brother, and, and, and he has a twin sister. Uh, were you competitive? Um, yeah, I was. I mean, they were twins. They used to gang up on me, um, and they used to beat me at everything because there was more of them, basically, which is why I've got this cloudy outlook on life. <laughs> Scarred for the twins. Yeah, but we were competitive, of course you are, especially with your brother. And Watford kind of, now we've now find ourselves with some brothers uh, in Udinese and uh, Granada. I now see where you're going with this. I thought this was an episode yeah. of Who Do You Think You Are? <laughs> and it's good to be sort of competitive with them. As well as maybe our sisters. I'd say our younger sister. Our man with numbers, Jason. Hello. Hi. Uh, we've started a thing. It's called it's called the Pozzo League. So Jason, tell us what what is the what is the Pozzo League? The Pozzo League is literally a uh, a comparison between the efforts in the uh, relevant leagues of the four teams: Watford, Watford Ladies, Granada, and Udinese. Okay. Uh, now, so far this season, uh, Watford have played six games. Uh, Granada played four. Udinese have played three, and Watford ladies have played three. Also, they have. That's going to be our league. That's our Who league. Who is going to be the best team in terms of their league games by the end of the season? How does it stand at the moment, Jason? Interesting. If if you if you're a Watford fan like us, 
it's all good because we Whee! hold the top two positions. Um, the ladies currently lead the way. They are on a, a two point per game average. Okay, so, so is a point per game average is our statistic? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Ladies, incidentally, playing at Berkhamsted Town this year. Great opportunity to get down there, going to Fortum. Much easier to get there, isn't nice it? Nice little ground, loads of lovely pubs in Burko. Get down there, watch the girls, go and get drunk afterwards. Hey, Amazing. And they're top of the league. Hey. They are top of the Pozzo League, yes. Um, the Hornets themselves are in second place at the moment with a point per game average. Our overseas cousins are struggling a little here. How are the Spaniards oh, sorry, doing? Yeah. Well, the Spaniards are on a, a half point a game at the moment. Yeah, uh, they, they have played Real Madrid. They have played Real Madrid. Udinese are currently propping up uh, the table with only a third a point a game no, this, average from their three games. This, this begs the question: Is it do we need to get do we need to cut the strings with this lot? Come on, Potos. <laughs> or, or have we got all their best players? That's, Stick that's with the high performers. Michael, you're not doing a knee-jerk reaction, are you? <laughs> As a football fan, after only uh, uh, half a dozen. Well, you, games. Can't, you can't help but feel they're diluting the uh, diluting the project. Just... Been, they have had to play Juventus at, at home already. I think they lost four-one. Uh, and like you say, Granada have played Real Madrid. So they've had a tough start to the season. Yeah. Interesting uh, features this weekend in the Pozzo League. Uh, the ladies are meant to be playing Barnet, although the FA seem to think it's been postponed. I'm not sure that's true or not. I did have a quick look on ladies' Twitter account. Nothing there. Ladies' um, Twitter account. Oh, <laughs> uh, is it one for ladies? Or just ladies as a whole? <laughs> yeah, in general. Jace spends his uh, going through ladies' Twitter uh, So ladies, uh, secret protect reveal. those tweets. Uh, <laughs> the Hornets themselves are, as you know, home to Bristol City. Granada are playing Barcelona. Udinese are playing AC Milan. Okay. What better time to get rid of them? <laughs> <laughs> going to get hammered. It's, it's, gonna be, it's, it's tough for the uh, for those guys in the Pozzo League this week, I think. It's oh, a it's tough fixture tough there. It's all good for Watford at the moment in, in the Pozzo League. Uh, we'll update this every single podcast. Uh, where there'll be a page on the blog where we'll keep it up to date. Uh, not necessarily every week, but as, as, as often we actually update the thing. Um, but it will be uh, which of the Pozzo clubs, teams, which of the Pozzo teams will be the best one by the end of the season by its points per game average. Do you think we should take ownership of a club each? <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, what do you mean? Going, going back to being competitive. Well, I yeah, could yeah, be, yeah. for example, at their bottom of the league. I like a lame duck. <laughs> um, so I'm going to have Udinese. Okay. Jace obviously likes the ladies. Okay. So he can have Watford ladies. I'll, 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 I'll have Granada. I'll have Granada and then we all have Watford. Okay. Or, yeah. or I guess the, we can give it to the listeners. The listeners can yeah, have Watford. You, the, you the listeners. What do we win? Have Watford. What do we win? You don't win anything. I <laughs> will win. Come on, come on, you little zebras. <laughs> Zebretta. From the rookery end. We did an interview with Martin Taylor back in uh, late August. Which Big was... sweet Martin Taylor. <laughs> Which was brilliant, it was entertaining. And the minute we start hearing that he's been transferred to Sheffield Wednesday, my heart sank. You uh, weren't thinking about the shape of the back four, you were thinking about the shape well, of this podcast, weren't you? Well, Can we include an ex-Watford player? The answer is yes. yes. Uh, and we, we interviewed him, but, and the reason I want to interview, because actually, Mike, you asked within this podcast, I think the most taxing question you've ever asked yeah. in the three years we've been doing this podcast. Yeah, let's be honest, we weren't sure if we were going to get a good answer out of him or not. We did. And uh, when you hear this interview, I think you'll notice that very special question that we asked Mr. Martin Taylor, who's now gone on to, to Sheffield Wednesday. He captained them the other day. To defeat. To defeat. He, he talks a little bit about how things are, have been around the club um, over this transition. It's good to hear it from uh, a thoughtful player, isn't it, Mike? Absolutely, yeah. And, 
Yeah, he is a thoughtful player, and it's interesting. I think a lot of people wouldn't expect that of Martin Taylor. He's a massive centre-back. People remember him for the wrong things. Um, and it's, so I think it's a massive... Um, really rewarding to hear from someone who is thoughtful, bright, and willing to engage like that. So, well done, Martin, and uh, good luck. So here is Martin Taylor's final ever interview as a Watford player. So it's been an interesting summer for everyone. It's changed a little bit around here. We're, we're sat in the training ground. Has the food got any better? It has, uh, yes, it has actually a little bit. Yeah, there's um, some new people behind the counter and it's um, up to the notch. So it's the <laughs> staff as opposed to the uh, ingredients? A little say. bit of both, yeah. I have to say. Well, I hope any ex-staff from the training ground. <laughs> um, so obviously there have been big changes in and around the club. Yeah. As a player and someone who's been here throughout it all, How's it been for you, and, and what do you think it's like been right for the rest of the lads? I think it's been good for everyone, really. I mean, obviously, yeah, everyone's used to big changes in football. It happens all the time. I mean, obviously, it's unfortunate that the way it happens. Um, obviously, Sean did extremely well last year, and the fans, I know, I've, lo I've looked on and seen what the fans have said about it, and everyone was of the same opinion, really, really disappointed for Sean, but obviously you have to move on and and and, um, and, and go with that, really. So there's a lot of changes, a lot of um, new people come in. Obviously, everyone's got a fantastic amount of respect for Zola as a player, and since he's been in, everyone's got a lot of respect for him as a manager as well, because he seems to have um, got everyone on board at the moment. I don't know what to call him, Gianfranco Zola, Mr Zola, Signor Zola, whatever, but the yeah. boss, um, he's made it very clear that he wants a certain style of play yeah. Yeah. Uh, and how the guy's been adapting to that. Yeah, really well. Yeah, I think it's, it is. I think that's probably the, the, the biggest change from last year. Since I've been here, there's, in, as most teams play in the Championship, it's high tempo. It's um, a little bit longer passing, um, less risks at the back and stuff like that. So it, we've, we've completely changed the style, but he's adamant he wants to stick that philosophy and whether it's, it's, it goes... Um, it's going well or it's going bad so that's something we're going to have to get used to and really try hard to do in the games but um, I'm sure the lads will respond to it well So in training you'd say it, it, obviously it doesn't click straight away it doesn't, yeah. you're changing something would players have, have feedback would you say to him Gaffer I don't think this is working Yeah, oh, yeah definitely yeah, yeah. I think there's enough um, players in the squad who will do that and, and say look this I think that um, but he's got his ideas and, and he'll put them across and they're very good at get, getting, that, getting that across on the training pitch and we'll work on it we'll do sessions and the lads are have taken to it quite well. As a defender, what does it yeah. mean for you? What does the new style of play mean for you? It means a little bit more involvement when we've got the ball. Obviously, when the opposition have got the ball as a defender, you're pretty much always involved. You always have to be 100% focused. But it's a little bit more involvement on the ball. You have to make yourself available for passes, where otherwise you probably would have been a little bit more cautious. And yeah, looking to be more of a defensive position first. Now everyone's looking for an offensive position. Everyone's looking to create angles and spaces because if, you, if you're playing the ball around, you need three, four passes on all the time you can't just have your one guy or your, your set pattern of players that, that you do so I think that's probably the biggest difference as a defender Fitness levels need to be higher then do you think you've worked hard on fitness? Um, yes I mean but then they all say that if you've got the ball that you don't need to run around as much so um, you, you, everyone, any footballer would rather be in the team that's got possession that you feel it's, it's much easier on your legs but no, I mean I don't think fitness is a problem here the, the lads have come back extraordinarily fit really I mean even going back to when I started playing players come back from pre-season they've seen that as a as a, as a complete rest and, and they say pre-season is a time to get fit now players have come back for pre-season on the first day almost as fit as when they went away so that, that base is there so that's 
I don't think that, that's a problem at all. The, you, you come in, there's, there's new ideas, there's obviously some staff here from last year, so there's some things that, that stay the same. I think the, the, the manager, he's been quite good, he's come in and he said, what did you do last year? Um, he's, he's asked us, um, just obviously he wants to keep a little bit of continuity on that side of things as well, keep the players settled. He's got a lot of ideas that he brings in and he's going to implement and, and keep to, but also he wants, he doesn't want it to be a wholesale change, so mm. uh, players feel a bit more comfortable. So on, on that side of things, yeah, he, there's a little bit of both, some of things done that last year something's a little bit different and obviously you've got there's a new centre-back coming in in Fitz yeah. um, so that's you Fitz and Niron three fairly uh, sizable units but who who's top dog out of you three would you say who's like the toughest out of you three oh the toughest big guys and you all look I don't know I mean Nooksy looks intimidating but I think he'd probably I think if, if I came at him I think he'd be a bit worried <laughs> um, I haven't seen enough of Fitz yet to, to work it out but I'm sure I'll have a grapple in the gym at some point oh, <laughs> stick you at number one for the rest. <laughs> that's good and Martin, we've had the we've had the pleasure of interviewing you before, and you're, you're one of the more cerebral cerebral of Watford players. So it's been something that's been not, uh, bugging me. Have you got any idea what Donny Darko is about? Yeah, I love Donny Darko. <laughs> Can you explain to us, as a clever clever chap, what the heck is going on in that film? It's obviously the I don't know. It's um, to do with time travel, isn't it? And <laughs> in, in, in the American kind of perception of time travel and their lack of their belief in Genesis as opposed to evolution and things like that. I knew we'd get a good answer. <laughs> I knew we'd get a good answer. But apart from that, it's just very strange. <laughs> yeah, it was some very good quotes in it, but... Um, and yeah. There haven't been very many good sport movies made, I don't really yeah. think. If you were to feature, if it was going to be a movie of your life, who would, who would play you? Who would play me? Um, somebody once said I look like Woody Harrelson, so... That would probably be the, the best person. He's a few years older than us, but... He hasn't yeah. aged very well either, has he? He hasn't. Do you know what it is? And I'm t- I was a little bit of a slight when someone said that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think, back in Cheers days, but... Yeah. Oh, he's like, how old? He must be fairly old, because he was in Cheers in the Yeah, 80s. great so days. He's a good bit older than me. He yeah, probably must be getting on 50, 60 now. Yeah. Right? Um, the training room is always known to have music. Yeah, and you're getting a bit. You know, we're we're a similar age. Yeah, um, my music tastes quite, yeah. quite significantly. And when it comes to kids' music, I just just I can't yeah. bear with it. Do you find yeah. something similar in Yeah, yeah. I don't get it. I'll sit there and I'll not use it. Although used is actually quite in, he's all like garage and stuff like that. So he, he knows what it's on about. I really don't get it, and I'll openly admit it. And I'll say right, I don't even get Radio One anymore. I'm just turning up at Radio Two, but it's a time of your life and you can't help it. Do you have an all-time favourite album? Yeah, the, my all-time favourite album is probably um, uh, Dove's last broadcast. Oh, very uh, nice. So I think that's me probably all-time. I just absolutely kidding that I can't. And I actually love their Milo Zylota as well, which okay. I've just yeah, listened yeah. non-stop for over six months now. And it's this is really a good. double exclusive. We, we found out what Donny Darko is about, <laughs> and we found a footballer who doesn't like Drake. <laughs> I, I, I really don't like Drake. I, I, I just don't get that. Brilliant. From the Rookery End, get involved. Go to facebook.com forward slash Rookery End. During the last, last podcast, uh, sat watching the Bradford game, we, we seem to keep coming up with lots of questions that we had about our, our new owners. Because we're nosy. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Um, not that we're hard-ass journalists, because we're not, um, but it was like, what football fans always have questions, and we've got an opportunity on the 1st November where we can go along and we can ask questions of Jan Pangozola, um, Jan Lucanani, who is the head of uh, director of football, uh, Scott Duxbury, who is the chief executive, and also uh, John Eustace, I believe, who is the current Watford captain. Uh, and the captain of my heart. <laughs> um, we had five questions for, uh, for uh, Lance Pacini last year. They were, were different, and we never got a chance to, um, to, to talk to, to him about them. And he never we really might send them on to Portsmouth fans, though, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
that's just that, that would never happen. Yeah, no, of course, with fans can't read. But anyway. let, let's let's come up to a question that we should that that what that us as what fans and other what fans maybe should ask of uh, of them. The, the the first sort of thing that comes up and the, the big big thing they they did was the fact that they I don't I'm not going to use the word downgraded. They changed their mind about what status academy they were going to apply for. They weren't apply for status one. All right, well, they were going to start. They were going to apply for status three. What? What sensible question we're going to get a good answer? We can we ask. My question hasn't changed from the last podcast. Basically, okay. is um, no, I will not. <laughs> Filthy boy. <laughs> no, not that podcast. Um, <laughs> was okay. We're going three this time. But is what's the the view for the future? Do we then look to upgrade? Okay. Uh, so what is what's if, the, if, as as the club progresses? So the question: What's the long term view? After changing the academy category to three, what is the long-term plan, project, exactly. with the Watford youth set-up? We want to know the differences, I think, don't we? We want to know what's going to be different now, because it's proved to a degree that it works. We wouldn't have had all this positive press, we wouldn't have all the good players coming through, we wouldn't have all the attention if it wasn't working now. So what is going to change as a result of the Pozos coming in, Duxbury and Nani, whoever's making the decisions about what category we go for, what is the, what are the fundamental differences that we will see? So, the question will then be, after going for category three classification, what is the long-term plan with the Watford youth set-up, and how will it be different from the current setup? Right. Question one, sorry. Uh, obviously, we've seen on the pitch, we've taken some players from the Pozzo player pop. <laughs> It's a big pot. It's a big pot, but we still need to know in these early days how is it all going to work for what for FC. I think Jason's got the question there. There's no detail in that. How on earth does it work? How does the Pozzo player pot work? And how does Watford fit into it? So by the Pozzo player pot, of course, you mean the, the loan system and all the players that we've got from various Their clubs. scouting network right. that they have. Where have all these players that we've, we've got coming on loan? Um, do it, actually, my question, this again, this is another straight question. We've got all these loans. What is the longevity of these loans? And actually, is it a technicality just calling them a loan? Yeah, well, I think it is, isn't it? I think we have to do a bit of, before we go to this thing, we need to do a bit of reading between the lines. And I think the benefit we're getting from the Potsai's ownership is that we get these players and now one has to assume they're coming to Watford for two reasons one to increase Watford's um, success and to improve them as a team and two to improve them as players because at the end of the day the family are in this their, their model is the same as what Watford have been doing for the last you know six or seven years getting players nurturing them improving them selling them making a profit that's how they do business that's how Watford do business so uh, the problem I have, perhaps, is say Vidra comes on loan to us. He scores 30 goals this season for us. He's obviously a Premiership player. We get promoted. Now, do the Pozzo family want to sell him, take him back to Udinese? Now he's a better player, or do Watford get to keep him? You know, that's, I think yeah. that's the that's the big issue. What the plan is is clear. The the pinch point is when these players are better and have improved. Do we get to keep them, or do they go that's, back? That's the other thing. Obviously, half of these players. Or five or six of these players are on a loan for a year with option to buy it's like yeah. a, a try before you buy 
scenario that wouldn't be I, nice I, you, you would guess is, is, a, is a benefit over other loan deals that other teams get when they loan it's a good idea because I've had three quarters of this pint and I don't like it so <laughs> <laughs> But, but actually, one quality. <laughs> actually, that's good. That, that is the other point about this sort of player setup. Then is buying. Are Watford a buying club, or are we going to have to only pull from the Potso player pot? Only lonely. Oh, oh that's that's good. Is there a song that's in the good. building there, Michael. <laughs> only the <laughs> there lonely. is. Yeah. <laughs> only the lonely. So that's one of the older Watford fans out there. Yeah. Um, and then it, if we, if we, wouldn't it be amazing if we did have a team of all loans? It could literally could only the loading. <laughs> so, one of the big worries that we had last year, running through the uh, worries, nightmares, nightmares. Yeah, in my personal life as well as uh, at Watford, <laughs> financial stability. There was always that cloud hanging over Watford for a long time. It would appear that uh, the Potsos obviously got some cash floating around, but what's the situation? There's a lot of existing debt at Watford. Obviously, there's the, the bond payments and, and an interesting structure that was put in place to make sure Ashcroft and the previous investors got their money back. It's all gone very quiet on that, and I know it's hard to understand anyway, but as fans, I think we probably need to be knowing what the status is of that, you know, that legacy debt. So here's the question. Can you define the current Watford financial status in terms of debt, bond repayments, and who they may be... Too. I think yeah, and I think we want it in layman's terms, don't we? We want to mm. understand just a rough overview of, you know, how much we owe, and you know how it's going to get paid back, and then the plan for making Watford financially stable going forward. We don't always want to be, we don't always want to be in debt, but by the same token, we don't always want to be reliant on someone else's money. Um, and I guess that's where the overall plan is to get into the Premier League and make yourself self-sufficient. Long way away, that you'd, you'd, you'd have to say with four four defeats in a row. Um, but so you know, how do we get there? What's the what's up with the money, baby? <laughs> so, can you define the current financial situation of Watford Football Club? How much debt there is, and how we will become a financially stable football club? Yeah, I think that's fair. There's a few questions for them. Thanks, you're not answering the one about money, though. <laughs> We're going to go, um, we're not going to ask your questions for you, they're your questions, you can ask them uh, either via um, by being there or by uh, sending the questions to uh, BBC New County, so I'm sure are doing coverage of it to John Marks. Hopefully this fans forum will make us feel a lot comfier as Watford fans compared to last season where the lack of any answers in any interesting way made you feel slightly tense I can tell you one thing I don't think Mr Nani Mr Duxbury Mr Zola or Mr Eustace will be poorly come the night <laughs> no no, oh. I wouldn't expect that to happen well let's send them all a, a big bag of limsit, limsit. Just, just in case, in case. <laughs> prevention is better than cure <laughs> this is Britta Somalonga doing the conga on from the rookery end Here it is, a collection of historic and intriguing items that define Watford Football Club. Oh, it's Watford in 100 objects! Last season we started a hunt, a hunt for 100 objects that defined Watford Football Club. We're up to 30-something, so we've got a fair way to go, but we've got three new objects for you this month. Now, the objects can be historic and have an importance to events that happen on the pitch, or they can be personal, objects that mean something to you. Our first object comes from Watford fan and statistician 
who works at Opta, the staff people, is Matt Furness. He's a celebrity in his own right. Let's he, is, he is. He's a Watford celebrity. Anyone on Twitter will know Opta Joe. Yes. That is he, and he is him. I Amazing. Caught, I caught up with him before one of the recent games, uh, and he started what can only be described as a bandwagon. It didn't have to go for very long because it got sorted quite quickly. The bandwagon started after a conversation he had at work. Uh, we were talking about what made your club that made it your club what was uh, something special about your club we were talking about different things someone mentioned the Watford train station at, yeah but by the ground what, what was it called it was the uh, the Watford Holt Holt station <laughs> I'd never heard of it and then I talked about the scoreboard when I first started going to the games I remember the big scoreboard up over the, what is now the Vickers Road end and uh, it filled half the stand if not all of the stand <laughs> at the top and uh, I remember the jumping men which I hear Elton John discovered on a trip to Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, apparently so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, how old would you? How? Yeah, when did you start watching football then? Well, I'm 26 now, so I don't know. I guess when Amazing. I was about seven or eight, probably yeah. I, I first went to the. Because I remember games. watching when I, you know, it was, you know, you, I never really watched footballers um, celebrate because you'd see the goal go in, and I would look instantly up to the scoreboard yeah. wanting to see those jumpy men as a kid. Well, the thing is, when I was younger, I was too busy running around in the uh, family stand trying <laughs> to go to the sweet the shop, yeah, yeah, in the corners. And uh, I always had to check the scoreboard to see the scores, so that's why I remember it very well. But I remember this particular night game, we beat Newcastle 1-0 at home. It must have been the early 90s. And I remember the scoreboard being... Uh, I think it was Paul Furlong got the goal, I remember Furlong, Furlong's <laughs> name come up. But that, what, yeah, what Betty started was, we were talking at work about what made your club your club, and uh, I said the scoreboard, and it'd be nice to bring some sort of character back to what is quite a stale stadium, if yeah, you think about yeah, it. We've, bit, got, we've got the uh, archaic East End, <laughs> but something, I don't know, just a bit of fun. I thought, oh, go on then, I'll, I'll see how many what fans want that back. So I started a petition, it, not even a petition, it was a campaign really, just to see who wanted it back, and I thought, I'll run it over a year, see if I can get a thousand signatures. I think we've got about 102 so far. And uh, I got a uh, surprise on Saturday when I was told by uh, the official Watford Twitter page that to check the scoreboard or the, the TV screen if we scored a goal. Um, and unfortunately, I wasn't at the game, so I had to rely on everyone to tell me, and someone uploaded a picture. But yeah, it's fa- fantastic. Because apparently, um, one of the Watford fans, a guy called Chris Bratt, who um, runs the uh, Watford FC uh, fans uh, page on Facebook, he saw what he did. He sort of must be a technical-minded bloke who could do such amazing yeah. things. Got in touch with the club. Said, "Could he do it? What, you know, what, what would, would it be wanted to like, almost like a compromise rather than bring about the mm. full scoreboard? Yeah. Can we get the jumping men back on the, the television screen?" And he's gone off and done his whizzes and bangs and technical stuff. And and there they were. Yeah, back on Saturday, jumping up and down with their hats. I think I maybe was being a bit unrealistic trying to bring the old scoreboard back, but maybe a modern version, a la uh, Wimbledon tennis style yeah. Um, but yeah something I mean our scoreboard at the moment is pretty dire you can't even see it from the, uh, the uh, rookery so yeah, I thought we, we could do something make a new modern version put it in the corner because it doesn't look like we're ever going to build an east stand in the next 10 years so <laughs> why not put that there give it a bit of character something that something's a bit different that football fans away fans can come to the ground and say oh what a Watford scoreboard yeah, I yeah. identify something with it um, and also I just thought it's a bit of a bit of a laugh bit of fun to yeah. try and uh, bring something back but yeah it, it seems to have worked I don't think the scoreboard's going to come back but it's good to see the jumping <laughs> well, men back anyway it's good they're back um, and actually it's good that we um, that the scoreboard isn't coming back because our list of 100 objects you can't put in objects that are still in use right. so as it's gone forever 
um, we're going to put this scoreboard into our list of 100 objects. Fantastic. It's, a big, it's probably the biggest one you could put in there. <laughs> it was probably our biggest object, yeah. <laughs> The old Watford scoreboard is going in. I used to love that scoreboard. Yeah, absolutely incredible. I was always looking at it, and when it got to 42 minutes, that was my cue to run and get a Mars bar and a Panda Pop Coke. Our next two objects come from one man in particular. That man is a legend. That man is John Barn. I was lucky enough to catch up with him. I actually went there to ask him about the first object we talked about, but then the second object came after his suggestion. So here's me talking to John Barnes, firstly, about an object that got him to becoming a Watford player. Watford thought they got a great deal. I was playing for Sudbury Court in um, Bale Farm around Sudbury Town by Wembley, and uh, a taxi driver uh, happened to be watching the game, and he thought I must have been a decent player, and he knew a scout from Watford, so he asked the scout to come and have a look at me. Then Tom Waddy came and had a look, and uh, as I said, the rest is history. So as much as... This is like 1987. 19, no, sorry, this is like 1980. Yeah. And a set of kit back then was, I thought it was a fair deal because, you know, they could have got me for nothing. So uh, Sudbury Court were very happy with a set of kit. Okay. I think that's what they got. Was it a goalkeeper plus, because back then it would be goalkeeper 10 and a sub? Is that what it was? I, would th I don't think it would have been 50. It would have been a squad. Okay. It would have been a squad. They didn't have squads and squad numbers then. So if they got 11, they would have been lucky. Okay. In fact, it might have been a five a side kit. <laughs> so they've got six. What colour would it have been? I've got a clue. I've got a clue because I didn't even know what the kit was. I left and I went to the top and I just heard that they got a kit. So, so blue would have been a good colour, wouldn't it? Let's say blue. Okay. I'd say it was a blue kit. <laughs> so you go from there, you come to Watford, and every, you know, we come on the up. Um, you probably get asked often, what was your favourite goal? What was your favourite moment? Is there a moment? One of my favourite moments for Watford was playing my first... Because the first game of the season, Watford played... and against Newcastle away. Luther Blitzen gets sent off. And on the Saturday, when the first team played, the reserves played as well. So my first game for Watford was in Vickers Road against Swindon. The first team went to Newcastle, and I scored a goal after 30... I think it was about in the first minute. In my first game for Watford ever. And the first game of the pre-season. Luther gets sent off first game of the season. So Luther then gets... Because he got banned straight away after he got sent off. So for the second game of the season, Graham Taylor put me in on the bench against... Oldham, and the second game of the season, I came on for 12 minutes at the end of the game. Then Luther is available for the next game, going on about one game, but because in the 12 minutes, Graham Taylor thought, well, I'll put him in. And the third game, I played for Chelsea, so you, I don't know who he left out. When I stayed in the team, Luther came back in the team, and I was in the team ever since. So my Swindon goal and the Swindon game was one of my most memorable games. It was important moment. Yes. But, but really, being a team player, I really should remember and have some sympathy and empathy with a player who had to have been left out for me to come in. But that's showbiz. <laughs> that's showbiz. I don't know who it was. What about your gloves? Because you used to always wear gloves when it, when it was cold. Yeah. Um, and of course, I got a lot of stick for it because back then men were men. And especially in Watford at that time, there were lots of northern men. And of course, and I thought you couldn't get much more northern than Leicester because my geography, I came from Jamaica and I was 13. So as far as I'm concerned, north of Luton, north of Watford Gap is north. Yeah. So of course, and he speaks like a northern, although he's not, it's only when I'm, I recognise that Leicester is south. But at the time, there were lots of northern men, and of course, northern men were tough. So as much as you've got southern softies, as a northern man like to think, yeah. I'm even, I was even softer than the southern softies. <laughs> okay. So I used to like my gloves. And you, you, you've got to be, I got, got to wait, in terms of players that moved on from Watford, the, the one who sort of achieved the most and gone to the, the, the heights of football afterwards. Um, 
But how does Watford sort of sit in? Let me tell you about Watford. I'll tell you about Watford. Watford was such a special club. But I remember when Luther went to um, Milan, and when Luther came back, Luther had a chance of going to Manchester United, and because of the pull Watford had, he decided to come to Watford instead of Manchester United. Now, had Liverpool not worked out or whatever, I could I could have seen myself, regardless of how good I was, because it was such a special club that everybody got drawn back to Watford. I was fortunate that it worked out at Liverpool, because who knows what would have happened to Luther had he gone to Man United, and he could have done that. So that was just a special. That's how special Watford was at that time, and I'm sure, I suppose it still is. And hopefully those days will come back. What would you prefer as a player? Did you prefer scoring the goals or setting up the goals? goals. Setting up goals. Setting up. That's why I was never a goal. I mean, I played up front for Liverpool one year and I scored 25. I was a top scorer in the first division at the time. But I never considered myself a goal scorer because it didn't. It didn't matter to me whether I scored or not. I feel a goal scorer has to love scoring, and I love scoring. Yeah, but if I didn't score, it didn't bother me. So. That was John Barnes on From the Rookie. <laughs> he was here. He legend. was on this podcast. Absolute legend. Are you still my favourite Watford player of all time? If you go, if you go back and YouTube some of the stuff that John Barnes was doing for Watford, 82, 83, 84, 85, he was a kid the year that Watford got promoted. He and was. He was amazing. I, being, being slightly older, uh, I remember being at St Andrews in 1984 for the FA Cup quarterfinal where he scored that goal against Tony Coton. Still my favourite Watford goal yeah. of all time. Absolutely outstanding. So for John Barnes, we're putting in the football ship that Watford bought him for, plus those magical gloves he wore on those slightly frosty games in the 80s. If you have a suggestion for an object, get in touch. Podcast at fromtherookerin.com. Uh, we wouldn't be where we are so far on our list if it wasn't for your suggestions, so make sure you send any objects that mean something to you or an object that you think represents a classic Watford moment. Email podcast at fromtherookerin.com. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. I don't know why, but I feel a ten times worse after that game than I have any of our defeats. Why do I feel that way, Jason? It's just because because the game was there for the taking. Twice we had the lead. Twice. And and twice we've given it away from poor defending. Really, is it? It's just not. Especially that second one. It just looked calamitous. We were just waiting for it to happen. And it could. Let's be fair. It could have been worse as well. There were a couple of times before, certainly before when we could see the equaliser when we looked like we should have conceded. And in fact, after the equaliser as well, when the defending wasn't great and we probably got away. We yeah. got away with it, you know. They hit the post from when they had an open goal. Were we, we in the post, yeah. though? <coughs> and then at the end, they had a, they should have nicked it. Well, mm. a two, 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 two draw means a point, and a point's more than we've had in the last four games. But yeah, it should have been three points. It really, been three again, points. Again, it was, it was some nice football. It was like we played some good football, yeah, but actually, we didn't look like we were going to score again up front. I mean, the, yeah. we got we got the two goals in the end. We looked lively when uh, when Deeney came on, but it, it just seemed to be lacking something up front, especially in that first half. It lacks it lack sort of. Um, there's, there's a nice bit of energy when Deeney came on. There's a lot of people. Are I was just having, forward. I was checking Twitter when uh, yeah. people when uh, Deeney came on. People were saying, "Oh, Deeney looks hungry." I thought, "Bloody hell! I hope not the size of him." <laughs> <laughs> he did look a little rounder. Yeah, yes, yes. gracious. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's either one or the other, isn't it? With um, when um, Deeney came on, it was a more sort of direct, um, rumbustious approach, if you like, mm. than the than the sort of ticky tacker of the last mm. of the of the hour that had preceded it. But we don't seem to be able to get a mixture of the two, and we, it with that, with Deeney coming on the more direct play that sort of came in, we surrendered all our composure and all our. Well, we, he changed the formation yeah, slightly, didn't he? He changed it to three at the back, and I thought we'd look like we were really struggling three at the back. Yeah, I, I don't think Newton cut it at all. Uh, he and Poodle seem to be running into each other at times. Yeah. 
that that's clearly uh, that clearly needs work, doesn't it? Playing that formation. But. It's very hard to very hard to watch really that last sort of last half an hour, twenty minutes or so, especially after the first half where we hadn't really we had loads of shots on goal, loads. I reckon we must have had fifteen in the first half. Mm. Um, never really looked like threatening, but then again we looked like you know if we carried on playing like that, the game would eventually the cards would fall our way. Well, when the, you know, the cards fell our way with that first goal, which was an own goal, but it was like with our pressure and, yeah. and, and it was like, oh, I, I turned to Jason and I said, oh, that's the, uh, that sort of fits where, you know, where the game sort of yeah. should be. We should be in the lead yeah. at this point. And ironically, it and was Cassetti who, who broke down the right and got the, the great ball in to, to force that error for the goal. Mm. But he, he was, he's absolutely treading treacle on that right back. He's getting passed <laughs> by... By players who are sat next to my brother, and he's yeah. saying, you know, he doesn't that, even look that quick. That first equaliser, that first equaliser, was because he got beat too easy down the uh, down the left. Equally, we should have probably defended it better. Newton just seemed to, yeah. that, one of those, he seemed to jump up in the air, but at the same time, sort of duck down underneath the uh, the striker yeah. uh, Elliot, who headed home. If it feels too basic to say, oh well, we need to develop in uh, in the defence and, and sort things up, and we need to. The, uh, uh, need a man up front. What do we, what, what, what do we need? Is there anything, is there anything else? I'm, I'm, right. <laughs> I felt very mixed about Mark Yates this year. I'm There's not. some great things, but now it's gone. It's he can't run with the ball. He can't yeah, get past yeah, anybody. Why are you still getting picked? Yeah, you Seriously, like think why? there was uh, there's, there's someone out there or in that squad of 40 who would be better than him. I mean, like, like we were talking about it there, John. There were some things he did wrong. There were some things he did right as well. There were some good things from him and things where perhaps he was unlucky because he didn't have options. But all in all, it's running up blind alleys. It's making the wrong pass. It's delivery, shooting, which is even worse, shooting which is from delivery, 30 yards when there are options on. Yeah. It's, the, it's, it's wasting the, the ball, which when playing the type of football we are playing, you cannot waste the ball. There's no point in passing it around 30 times yeah. if you're then going to launch it over from 30 yards and, and not do anything. I think it's unfair to pick on Yates especially. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Because, I mean, it, I mean we've, got, we've got prior with him because he, he didn't really perform last year either. But I need a thought he's a sort of player, if anyone, is going to develop nicely under Zola. It'll be someone like him mm. who will, you know, he's a creative player, Zola, wasn't he? So he'd have thought of, uh, Yates presumably thinks he is a creative player. I don't know. He's, he's not. <laughs> well, tell, tell you it was good. It was good. Um, the uh, the lonely um, uh, player from uh, from Chelsea, who, Chalaba, who has uh, how do you say it? Chalaba. I like the fact he's called Nathaniel, which is the oldest name I've ever heard in my life. Is it? But oh, well, how you know? If you must, haven't you got? Well, maybe. But <laughs> Nathaniel sounds like the only Nathaniel I've ever known was. Do you remember the Nat West pigs when you were a kid? If you had the Nat West children's account, you had a series of piggy banks, of and the and the boy was called yeah, Nathaniel. Was a... Anyway, but <laughs> it is an old name. But he can't be 17 years old, sure. With that coolness he showed in that first half, he looks like he's like 50. 50? Well, yeah, he's so cool. <laughs> he's so good, he looks, he looks like he's 50. That's the all, mark of no, a good player. All I'm saying uh, is, there's a lot of. He's, he's very well, cool and Yates calm. Yates must be 80 then. <laughs> but he's very cool and calm on the ball for a man who's age. That's the point I'm He's a footballer, make. isn't he? He's, that's very clear that he's very comfortable with the ball at his feet. Um, a little bit slight, you know, he could, he could, uh, the, the few of the Bristol City players got in amongst him, and you wonder how, whether a season he'll be able to uh, cope with the season of that. One hopes so, and there's no reason why not, you know. Yeah, and he's a good player. I think he's, um, he's, he's a certain, um, he's one that stands out. Um, but you know, it's very, very, very hard to watch because, like we, were, like we were saying before, we know this is a big thing. We know this is something that's going to take time, but that doesn't stop. You know the games. The, com- the games are the components of this big part, mm. and they're the things that actually count. And to watch, you know, week in, week out, 
maybe we are improving perhaps you could you know we got a point today where we got where we lost on Tuesday and we lost, we've lost the last couple of games so that's an improvement and but it just still feels a little bit flat the crowd's very flat in there as well there's not much noise um, uh, and you never really felt that Bristol City were out of it at any stage he made he made he made two defensive um, substitutions I think and that's annoying because you think if you're making those substitutions it's because someone in the defence isn't ready which means he's not really making substitutions for let's put another fresh legs on f- up front yeah, and, that's and right. he made one of the three he was trying to plug a gap wasn't he yeah, he was and so to fix we, something. maybe that's the first thing he needs to deal with let's plug that gap at the back and then we're not going to have those problems and we then be putting on you know Belek and Iwellemu rather than De- uh, you know, rather than um, Fitzhall and, and Doyley even though they, they improved the game but you want to be able to put in stuff that's taking you forward I, like, yeah, Do- I mean Doyley yes came on for the Cassetti who was looking increasingly in trouble down at right inside however Fitzhall came on and, and he looked out of position for the goal and it, mm. it was a, not just him I think there was a lot of standing around and watching going on waiting for the inevitable to happen but it, it seemed to be the guy that put the ball in the back of the net was standing two yards in front of Fitzhall who was standing there with his arm up in the air and yeah. Yeah, just, now he's not played a lot of games of football maybe exactly exactly very very tough tough to watch um, I don't think all's lost we've definitely no, no, got, no, no, we've no. got some good players there but the, the job Zola has got which is what everyone said inside Watford and out is knitting this Enormous mm. squad together somehow and, and, creating, a, I mean, is it? and creating a team Huge. out of it. You know, it's hard, hard, it hard. It is, but and the thing is, the longer it goes on, the harder it is to to get it right. I suppose. So course, the, yeah, the less yeah. time you've got to, to turn it around. And but, but pre-game, I was all fine and happy with lots of time. But I just I've left this game sort of going. Actually, how long do I have oh, in blimey. me? I know, that's that's like, that's I know, that's unlike John, isn't it? It's, it's not John. very John, it's very Michael of me to say that. Yeah, yeah. and, and, and actually, that, this me, may, may, <laughs> maybe this is the first time I've, I've actually questioned it. And actually, how long? How long is it? How many more games is it? Longer than seven games, John. I know, but it just felt... Uh, longer than seven games, even I can see that. Uh, massively frustrating, I think. Like vice versa. Like, yeah. <laughs> the 80s film. Um, yeah. You just want to get on to the next game, don't you? You yeah, want to yeah. go out but that's and try it again and see if they can turn it around. Huddersfield, you know, what a tough yeah, place no, to go. It's a championship, you know, there isn't, there aren't easy places to go. Right. Maybe Peter at the moment, but by yeah, the time we get to play them, which well isn't done. that far away, they're well going to get something at some point. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, yeah, and you're sort of hoping that they get something in, in, <laughs> in the bag before they play us. But oh, uh, I, I, it's, it's still oh, a, okay. We need some stability. We need some sort of. We haven't. We haven't had a, f- a finished starting eleven. How many captains that Jason you said earlier we've had? Fourth captain today. Fourth captain today. Certainly in league football. Captain today, yeah. I think that's what the first first step is. Sort out the defence and get some sort of consistency somewhere. And then I think that's what you build on. And maybe that is what we, we haven't done. We've not built on yeah. something. We need, yeah, you're right. We need to build on something. And there needs to be a foundation, whether it's a result, whether it's a really good, solid 90-minute performance. Because we've had, there were flashes today. There were flashes against Brighton, flashes against Bolton. But what we need is a good 90. You know, if we'd have come out two all after a really good performance, we'd have been right. You know, good. We'd mm, feel we'll come yeah, away yeah, thinking, yeah. right, we believe in that. We believe in that team and, and let's crack on. But it was too bitty, wasn't it? It was too, mm. too many... Come, keep saying questions. You've got questions about that, and how are we going to fix it? You know, that's the, the big question Taylor's got, and the Pozzo family, the Pozzo family, will be looking with interest. It seems, um, you know, I'm, I never want, don't, I never expect a manager to be under pressure after seven games. Well, having said that, a manager's always under pressure, but I wouldn't yeah, yeah, expect yeah, them no, to be no, thinking ultimate pressure. Yeah, but, you know, they're watching pressure. how he solves problems. Is ultimately how his, you know, whether we move forward or not with with Zola and. Uh, 
he's got uh, he's got plenty to work on, plenty to think about. Well, we uh, we'll be back at the end of uh, October for uh, for a little, another podcast. Let's see how we go the next few weeks. Yeah, as long as it's better, then I think that's all we can really ask for. I think that's reasonable. Come on, you horns!